Welcome to BSD Talk number 169. It's Sunday, January 4, 2009. Just want to remind everyone to go check out the dcbsdcon.org website. Registration has been open for a little while, and if you check their blog, they're continuing to release their list of speakers. Looks like they've got a great lineup, so I'm very excited to attend that conference, and I hope to see everybody there. All right, now on to the interview. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Justin Sherrill of the Dragonfly BSD Digest. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. So I'm excited to have you on here. I, I'm an avid reader of your site. I, I think it's not only a great site to pick up all the neat stuff that's going on in Dragonfly BSD, but also uh, just for Unix heads in general, I think it's got a lot of great content on there, you know, just games and other things that are going on in the world. So just a great site. What, what made you start the site? Well, back in... 2003, when Matt Dillon split off Dragonfly from FreeBSD 4, I saw the project starting and I said to myself, I'd like to contribute. But like most of the planet, I didn't really want to spend my day programming uh, C. And I thought about what could I contribute. And one of the things that most of the BSD projects have had uh, and still have is mailing lists for pretty much all interaction, whether you're a user or a developer it happens on a mailing list, which is great if you like to read mailing lists all day, every day, all the time, which it can get tedious, especially if you're trying to figure out what was happening you know, last month. You don't really feel like reading through uh, 500 sequential messages. So the niche that I tried to fill was the idea of a digest, where you could go to a web page and get the pertinent information instead of a mix of bug reports and some other conversations and maybe... See what you wanted to know about, not sift until you find what you know about. So I actually put it together and did it without anybody knowing about it for like a week or two to make sure I could actually keep up with it. And then said, hey, here it is. And uh, it's been five years now, so I guess I've been able to keep up. So at this point, are you still focusing primarily on that site as your way of contributing to Dragonfly BSD, or are you involved in that project in other ways? Oh, I've, I've done a number of other things. Um, the current website is my fault. I converted the FreeBSD handbook for Dragonfly and then converted it from the uh, SGML system that was before to the what's now on the Dragonfly wiki. A number of other things. I put together the mailing list archives the, uh, that are on the Dragonfly site now. I actually have been working on changes to the, the website. I'm trying to bring together the wiki and the main website itself. I think it's kind of unnecessary for them to be divided. And probably next year, I'm going to be working on setting up a nonprofit, since that's uh, Dragonfly could probably use a legal entity to deal with, as opposed to random bunch of guys on the internet, which is what we have now. Yeah, it seems to be a fairly popular model these days to have a, a non-profit handle the business of some of these projects? Well, it's a big help because uh, there's been things, if somebody wants to uh, get rid of some hardware, you know, say they've got a server they don't want, and they say, gosh, I really like Dragonfly BSD, I'd like to give it to them. It's a lot easier for them to get rid of it, especially if they're in the United States, if there's a non-profit entity they can give it to as opposed to 
random person. Even if that random person is me, I'm still, you know, some guy. So doing something like that would be a big help in terms of making it possible for people to donate, and it would also give us a charter to focus on. I think the FreeBSD Foundation has done a wonderful job of saying this is our job, to get developers to conferences and to get projects done, and they've been able to do that very well. Um, I think they're very close to getting their $300,000 goal for the year, in fact. So I mean, that's a, that's a lot of money to put towards something which is essentially a volunteer effort. No matter how many people, you know, how many corporations are using it, it's still a bunch of volunteers. So I would assume then that, that you're reasonably plugged into the Dragonfly BSD community. Do you have a sense that, that it's growing and that it's reasonably healthy? It's remained small. Uh, the number of people that want to work on operating systems these days, I think, is, I'd say it's not growing as fast as the Internet has grown. The big growth is really in applications development. You know, everybody gets excited about putting together the next Twitter or the next uh, WordPress or you know, similar utilities to that. That's where these things really happen, which is fine. I think there's, uh, there's probably an academic study out there that says when you've got an open source project, here's how, what kind of turnover you can expect and how people uh, interact. And there's probably several academic papers you could get out of that, I'm sure. Given that, what drew you to Dragonfly BSD? Well, because it was a, uh, I guess you could say, smaller grouping of people, it didn't necessarily have any, basically there wasn't any existing structure. There was what came over from FreeBSD, but it was sort of an opportunity to say, I think, think things can be done this way, and there wasn't anybody else there to say, well, it's been done this way for a while, so we have to deal with this, or something like, um, you know, we have people depending on this feature, you must do it this way which is a nice thing to do, especially when it's a volunteer effort. With that advantage, it's kind of nice to be able to say, I think we need to build a wiki, or I think we need to have our documentation put together this way, or all those other features, and have the freedom to really do that. Of course, then the problem is, if you're the person who spoke up, you had better be willing to put in the effort. You volunteer yourself by, by talking about it, which is uh, <laughs> can be uh, unfortunate if you didn't really want to. But, you know, the squeaky wheel gets the grease. And besides being a proponent of Dragonfly BSD, I can assume that you're also a user? Oh, yes. I have it. Uh, uh, the digest runs on a machine that is Dragonfly. That actually has been, I've been eating my own dog food, so to speak, for, well, I don't know, some years now. But uh, it's gone quite well. Of course, it's uh, it's package source for, uh, for the applications that are uh, installed on there, which is fine for everything except for you know, frequent upgrading, but yeah, you have to suffer through it. Are you using the Hammer file system anywhere? I am not, though I have been working with uh, doing bulk builds on packagebox.dragonflybsd.org, uh, where we do bulk builds of package source, usually the quarterly releases. And uh, um, that currently is a Hammer file system. And uh, doing a, a bulk build of all the... 8,000 or so packages in package source is a good way to really tax the file system, I found. So it's exposed a couple uh, a couple of problems here and there, but uh, I think, uh, I have to check, but I think there might actually be a build running on it right now uh, that's going through. So I think it's also obvious from the digest that 
not only are you someone who's interested in Dragonfly BSD, but that you've got a, a long history with Unix and, and other alternate operating systems. So maybe we could wander back to your beginnings and hear a little bit about how you started in all of this. Oh, I actually started using FreeBSD at an old job of mine. It was off of a, a rare comment somebody made saying, oh yeah, and for this I use FreeBSD. And I thought, well, what is that? I, this would be back in probably 1998, 1999. So not that, not that long ago, about close to 10 years. And I think I installed FreeBSD 4. It was just out on a machine to try it out. And uh, just kept working with it from there. I found the BSD philosophy, so to speak, attractive compared to Linux. Not so much, not in a religious way, so to speak, but uh, it made it fun to work with. And the idea of... Uh, a specific way of doing things that uh, wasn't necessarily license-based but quality-based. The idea that uh, the work you do in FreeBSD should be done because it's, or for any BSD, because it's a good thing to do, because it's the right way to program, because you're doing things as, as, in terms of high quality instead of saying, I'm doing this because software needs to be free or uh, whatever religious issue you have about software licenses. It's much more interesting to say I did this because it works well, I think, in the long term. As for the idea of the stuff that's on the digest, the, uh, the stuff that I post, uh, I've always thought that uh, if I just restricted myself to only, you know, this is what happened on some mailing list today, I would uh, make things kind of boring because uh, you get a lot of, there's a lot of technology blogs out there. I hate to use the word blog. I, I feel worse for saying it, but... There's a lot of stuff out there that tracks technology, like in Gadget and uh, Gizmodo. They track uh, hardware, and there's uh, various gaming sites, uh, mixes of the two, like Boing Boing Gadgets, stuff like that. But they tend to cover things from sort of a bouncy, happy point of view, not from the, the viewpoint of uh, this is where computer history came from or paying attention to uh, some of the issues around you know, BSD or you know, why is this important or something like that. Instead of reliant, instead there's usually a reliance on, you know, hey, that has something that looks like Space Invaders, and I remember Space Invaders. Let's spend five seconds reading this article. You know, it's kind of shallow. So, not that I'm necessarily any deeper, but I'd like to think so. The idea I've tried to carry through is that people are going to want to see more about computing that reflects on all that knowledge that builds up, especially from using BSD-style systems. And, uh, go from there to sort of say, hey, here's the atmosphere that we need to build up. Yeah, I've been enjoying a lot of your different pointers to software and, and you know, just different blogs, is to use that wonderful word. Yeah. You know, just even outside of Dragonfly BSD, you know, pointers to conferences and retro gaming. Uh, it's, to me, it's, it's, a nice, it's a nice way to, to keep up with what's going on with Dragonfly BSD, but also, you know, you, you find a lot of neat stuff that's out there. You know, it's something that uh, I, I don't remember exactly who said it, whether it was Jordan Hubbard or maybe it was uh, Jean-Louis Gasset, I think, that an operating system needs oxygen. It needs an atmosphere around it more than anything else. Uh, you know, every, there's uh, somebody somebody else said, I don't remember who, you know, every, every third-year computer science student gets excited and says, hey, I'm going to write my own operating system. And then they do it for a while, and it probably works fine, and then they realize that there's nothing really to do after that. 
and you really you need that around an operating system, the oxygen, which is something I'm trying to do with this digest. But I think you're doing it too with BSD Talk. That uh, if somebody says I I use FreeBSD, OpenBSD, Dragonfly BSD, you know that needs to have eh, I, I'd say not a, a brand identity, but you know if somebody says hey I'm a Linux user, you know that they probably don't care for Windows very much. You know that they're probably at least slightly interested in open source software, and you know that they're probably willing to take some time to work on their computer to get it working. But if somebody says, oh, I'm a BSD user, what springs to your mind, and what do they do? And establishing that is something that well, you and I and people like uh, the fellow who was doing the FreeBSD diary, that's what we do is sort of define that atmosphere of what people work in. and Hopefully it's uh, hopefully it turns out well, but uh, I think that's an important part of, I guess I'd say advocacy, is saying you know what does it mean to to use BSD and to be concerned about the license and, and the kind of work that you do, and uh, all the all the accoutrements around that. Yeah, another thing that I I hope to do, which I think you also do a great job of doing, is is pulling some of those names out of the lists and introducing them to the world you know there, there's so many people who are quietly working just submitting patches here or there but the work really affects us all and, and provides some great benefits and so it, it's nice to shine the spotlight on them occasionally oh yeah one of the things that uh, i mean there's a great similarity between any of the bsd projects and other all-volunteer nonprofit efforts even if those other nonprofit efforts are things like you know, stuff focusing around education or providing providing food or shelter, um, you know, a habitat for humanity, those sorts of projects, they all have the same issue, is if you're running a nonprofit, then you're not there to make money, and you're not going to probably make a lot of money to give people a paycheck, because uh, what makes you come into work every day? Probably getting a paycheck. If you didn't get the paycheck, why would you come in? Well, with a Nonprofit project, you don't have that, and uh, we definitely don't have that with any of the BSD projects by and large. There's a, there's a, some lucky people that get to be paid to to hack on FreeBSD or or various other projects, but you know it's not that common. So, well, the answer then for any nonprofit is well, if you can't pay people more money to make them happy, how do you reward them? And the reward is that you celebrate their achievements, and that's something that's really needed in, in open source is being able to say this person did this work, tell them thanks. You know, and even when that thanks is just saying out loud that they did the work and not hoping for, you know, people aren't going to notice stuff by uh, sifting through a commit log, for instance. But they will notice it if you say, hey, this piece of hardware is now usable thanks to this person. And even if that, you know, results someday in maybe, you know, somebody running into somebody else at a conference and saying, hey, let me buy you a drink for getting my webcam working, you know, then it's worth it. Speaking of conferences, do you ever make it to any of the conferences? Oh, I really wanted to make it to uh, the New York City uh, BSD convention this year, in part because it would have been neat. It's not that long a trip for me. I'm in New York State. I just couldn't scrape the money together for it, though, unfortunately. Um, I'm hoping maybe uh, BSD can next year, which uh, that was the one that you live blogged, wasn't it? Oh, uh, I, I did the live the live streaming from um, live. from New York. Okay. But I do try and get to most of them. Yes, that would be uh, that would be fun next year if I'm lucky. Yeah, I must say there, it's been interesting to watch the number of conferences grow a little bit over time. I, 
I hope that's a sign of a of a healthy environment around the operating system. I think so. And there's a lot that happens from these things that, uh, you know, just the act of being around other people and seeing them really helps out. There's a corresponding sort of activity burst every time one of these things comes together. The uh, 25th uh, Chaos Communication Congress, I may not be saying all the words right, is happening, I think, I think it's wrapping up today. But there's been a burst of commits today from uh, Simon Schubert in Dragonfly just because he was at the conference and talking to people and able to sit down and work on it. And uh, so the more more conferences is uh, is means more more software work, which is always a good thing. Yeah, and for me, I'm always excited to see work going on between the different projects as as the people get to meet each other and and share ideas. Yeah, there's a. Uh, a significant advantage, I think, just from the face-to-face contact. When this feeds back into the uh, the celebrate people's achievements thing, is that you know it's it's easy to send a mail message that says, "Hey, I did this," and maybe get something back from from other people talking about it. But it's much more immediate when you're all in the same room. So it has a, a big advantage. Well, hopefully, you'll be able to make it to BSD Can or one of the other conferences, and then I can buy you a beer. Yeah. Hopefully. Yeah. So besides uh, all of this computer stuff, do you have a computer-related day job, and do you ever get to use the BSDs in that position? Right now, no. I work at a uh, company that manufactures print cartridges. That's uh, about as unexciting as possible. I have to say the, the, only, uh, the only service this, com- this job does for me in terms of uh, BSD work is that I'm doing maintenance on a number of very old Debian systems. Uh, which make me very happy to come home and work on BSD. So that is a big advantage. It shows me what I could be missing out on if there wasn't a, a BSD, any sort of BSD project to work on. So, yes, it, it provides benefit by contrast, I guess you could say. That's about the politest way I can put it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Well, you know, I'm so glad that you were able to uh, speak with me tonight, and you know, I just look forward to seeing what wonderful nuggets you dig up and, and post on the Dragonfly BSD Digest. Yes. I often entertain the idea of trying to branch out to the other mailing lists because the actual function of reading what's going on and talking about it is not that hard, or even generating the links, but uh, is the, just the, sh- the sheer amount of volume that goes through uh, of stuff for FreeBSD or OpenBSD or NetBSD. It'd be, it's I'm surprised nobody else has picked up on this, but there are so many events that happen and things to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so many people out there that would like to see that kind of information. I'm, I'm surprised there isn't more of it happening. Uh, if I had you know, an extra hour in my day to sit and read email, uh, I would love to go through it all. Well, you never know. Maybe uh, some people will join, join the effort. Yes, I can always hope. Yeah. <laughs> all right, well, there are there any other topics that you wanted to talk about tonight? Now, the uh, the big thing I want to cover, the idea that an operating system needs oxygen, mm-hmm. is uh, what I want to say. Because often I see people come into the uh, the IRC channel where people talk about Dragonfly and say, hey, I'd like to contribute. And they always assume that the next thing for contributing is a, uh, is uh, you know C programming, essentially writing stuff for user land or for the kernel. And that's really not the case. The building the utilities and the stuff for people to work on can have such a huge effect. Uh, I'd give for an example, if somebody came up with a good package source 
GUI program. Uh, there was one called Package Manager that was getting worked on. Uh, I don't know how active it is now. But the ripple effect from that one thing, even if it was, wasn't committed to any particular operating system, a very large number of people would benefit from it. So in the same vein, just you know, working on something with uh, OpenBSD or FreeBSD or NetBSD or Dragonfly, just working on something and being able to talk about it provides that extra bit of flavor. Uh, it's one of those things where we have a lot of people that are talented programmers working on the base of an operating system, but we don't have enough people talking about it and waving the flag around and saying, here's things I can do and here's things I have done. That's where we could really benefit, and that does not require any sort of hardcore programming skills. So, we need more like more things like BSD Talk, for instance. Thank that you. would be wonderful. Like you, I guess I've also been a little surprised that that there aren't more people doing the kind of work that we're doing. Um, but I guess you know everyone finds their own way to do it, and they find what what makes them tick. So, it's, this is the kind of stuff you only do it if, for some reason, you're crazy enough to keep going. Yes, you have to have that itch that needs to be scratched. Yeah. I mean, we could probably get a uh, probably get a weekly podcast just out of summarizing the news across the BSDs for the week. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or, yeah. well, to be the new hip thing, it would have to be a video podcast. Exactly. <laughs> you think I have bandwidth problems now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, thanks for taking some time to speak with me tonight, and uh, I guess I'll keep checking your posts. All right. Thank you. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 169.